Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist, Coach B, and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. Thank you again for joining us for another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And this week's show is sponsored by JM4 Tactical. Their slogan is, they're changing the way you carry. Head on over to jm4tactical.com. See what all they have to offer you as far as their um, relic holster and the various holsters that they have in their collection. And if you happen to order something, hit them up because don't forget JM4 Tactical actually sponsors me within the sport of shooting USPSA. So once again, jam4tactical.com. They want to go ahead and make everybody carry the holsters in a safe way. But please go check out what they have to offer. Don't forget, as we always talk about this every week, the mad scientist is chasing me around on the range and I'm tired of running. So please, everybody, 30 April through 2 May, head on over to practice score and look up the South Carolina section that is taking place 30 April through 2 May in Belton, South Carolina. Because I don't think the mad scientist will stop chasing me until it is sold out. So I can't run that long. So I need y'all help. Please help me out. Also, um, don't forget, we got a GoFundMe going on. This GoFundMe is... The first one is we are making a professional movie. So we're going to need some help with making that happen. And at the same time, you're going to see the, you know, day-to-day activities, behind the scenes, conversations, everything we do outside of what you see on social media. It's just going to be presented to you on camera. Also kind of documenting the efforts that we put into the matches that we do. The second one is, we want to go ahead and give free firearms training to people across the board who are first-time gun owners across the nation, not just in the city, but across the nation. All right, so we have a system in place to make this happen, but we need the funds to actually push this forward and make it happen. So please head on over to GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie and head on over to GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training anything you donate will be appreciated so here we go that time of the show where we're bringing in the lady of m-w tactical the one who i call mean who tried to push me down the stairs the other day and claimed she didn't do it but i'm gonna catch it on video so y'all can all see for yourself how mean she really is Y'all know her as Coach B. What's up, B? How's it going for you? Hey, Michael. Hi, Dave. Hi, Coach B. I've never seen you be mean to Michael. I think he's making all of it. He is. You know it. I'm trying to tell you, man. I'm trying to... <laughs> you don't know the half, man. You always see, what do you see at the range? Him pushing me. Him sticking a sticker on me. No. It's always him. Nothing yep. of the such. Nothing. I'm not a bully. <laughs> I'm not a bully at all. You're a big bully. <laughs> no, she's the one that'd be like, but get out there and go exercise. I was like, okay, I'm going. I'm going right now. 
just trying to keep you straight and that's what we do right i'm supposed to keep you straight <laughs> oh my goodness so how how was your week my week's been good um hasn't been really too busy at work so um it's been a good week yeah yeah um i think it was a good week so far other than um the prediction of what's supposed to be going on with the weather but outside of that i was actually surprised um one day i was doing dry fire and you decided to join me yes yeah so i was like what hold on now here we go so um we got you retuned in a little bit because just like me when i didn't dry fire for a spell i had to play catch up back to the mark i was at before i stopped dry fire and i, I think you understood what i was saying when i was like okay i gotta play catch up with it you know what i'm saying so um how was that experience coming back into it, but slowly getting back to where you left off at hitting your mark? Um, I don't think I'm where I was whenever I stopped, but um, it's coming back. I mean, everything comes back. I didn't want to go out to match and I haven't touched my firearm for what, two, three months. So right. um, it was good. I'm with you on that. So I'm actually proud. I was happy when you did that. I was like, what? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was I was very happy when you decided to do that. But um, we're going to have an interesting conversation. Um, this is one topic that we talked about. Well, one of the topics that we're going to talk about after the commercial break, you and I spoke on on many different occasions. So I'm curious to know what you're going to say and what you think what are you going to select but i'm not going to ask you before that <laughs> all right so let's um wait that out and see what happens okay all right so now here we go with the co-hostess with the mostest my main man who fixes the problems of the firearm who is the range therapist this guy actually cooks, he cleans, he fixes cars, he fixes guns. He does, I don't know what at his job, but it is something he does. And I know he got to push a keypad to go into the door. Without further ado, here we go. My man, the mad scientist himself, Dave. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, Mike? Hey, you weren't spying on the keypad when I put the code in it, was you? No, nah, you gotta remember, I was backing out the parking spot <laughs> okay. when uh, when we left each other, and then when I saw you like hesitant at the door, and I was like, "Did he forget something?" And I was looking in the seat to see like if you dropped your wallet or something. But then I realized you was actually punching the keypad, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, they got a keypad on the door." And I just I'll, I'll go change the password if you were if you were no, spying. No, no. <laughs> Trust me, I don't want to go no place. I have no business going because y'all ain't gonna tie me up. Yet. What'd you see? <laughs> What you got going on up in there? Nah, we just have to keep everything locked up, just safety purposes. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, it was it was like that on a couple um assignments I was on before, also. Whereas everything was on the lock and key, and you had to be careful how you said certain things. So I understand how that goes. Yeah, you know. But outside of that, um, how was your week? It's been all right. It's been um, it's been. Busy. We've been uh, starting some new projects, and um, that's keeping me busy. Um, I work on all the new stuff that gets going in the shop, and try to get it ironed out. And then other uh, operators and stuff take over from that point, and then I move on to another one. So nice. keep, it keeps it interesting, keeps my mind busy, which is something I need, and, and you know I enjoy it. I got you on that. So 
now, unlike Coach B, there's times when Coach B goes to work and you you hear the, well, I got to go to work. Um, you're not excited about it? Not happy, not sad. Just glad I got a job. So I'm going yeah. to work. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't go if I didn't have to. <laughs> if, I, you know, if I didn't need a paycheck, I wouldn't go. That's right. Well, I, I figured your job because <laughs> it is in relation to your hobby, which is shooting. That you're more like, oh yeah, I'm going to make a difference. I'm I'm going to do this today. Yeah, sometimes on the weekends, I just I get so anxious. Can't wait to get back to work on Monday. I'll go in early and just sit in the parking lot for two hours and just wait, <laughs> wait till it's time to go in. Get so excited. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, it's I, it's work, but it's it's not bad. It, there's definitely worse jobs out there for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely, <laughs> most definitely. Now. I wanted to go ahead and um, bring it up to you all, um, to you two, that um, South Carolina just passed open carry. It did pass? It did Through pass. the House. It, it didn't go through the Senate. No, it didn't yet, go did through it? the Senate, but it passed through the House, yeah. So I was more like, I don't think that's a good idea. But it's only open to people who have a concealed carry permit. So it isn't like everybody can do it, right? It, the way it's written is proposed for concealed carry card holders so that's kind of strange <laughs> it, it is but i'm more like i don't think that's a good idea i i personally don't think it's a good idea you can open carry if you have a concealed carry permit correct i didn't that's know it was how, worded that way was, yeah that's how it's worded right now so okay but what's your take on that dave um i do i i like it from a certain viewpoint um just because uh as a in in our state, you you know, if you have a concealed carry permit, you know, you're you're lawfully allowed to carry a firearm concealed. Mm -hmm. If it's not concealed, it, you can potentially get in trouble, legal trouble, um, for carrying that firearm. And there's been situations just that I've experienced personally, and I, and I know everybody has that carries concealed is. If you bend over in the grocery store to pick up something off the bottom shelf, your shirt pulls up, and then reveals your your firearm nobody ever has ever said anything to me about it but potentially if somebody wanted to they could they could push that and you know it might you know be considered brandishing a firearm because it's not completely concealed and even though it was totally accidental this proposal for for the law change would take care of that i do like that um, kind of viewpoint on it that you I won't have to worry about accidentally showing someone my firearm um, I don't personally like the idea of just having a uh, you know outside the waistband holster with a pistol hanging off my hip um, um, the reason why I don't well let me let me get what coach B first before I state, state my opinion on, on it but What's your take on this um, new bill that's possibly could get passed, but it's already cleared the house? I feel like open carry, it kind of takes away the element of surprise, I guess, um, in a sense that um, anyone um, walking around open carry, if someone wants to do something to you, they can already watch you, observe you, and see how you're maneuvering so they know what to do how to attack you i guess 
and maybe possibly get the firearm from you, whatever the case may be. Um, but if it's concealed, no one knows you have one. So if the attack was to happen, you okay. know. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, like you said, I do believe um, if you open carry, you lost the element of surprise. And at the same time, I believe a lot of people who would possibly do the open carry, if they do have a concealed carry permit, they're just not comfortable with concealed carry. But a lot of people will probably display the firearm as a show of force to try to deter people. Right. You know, I, I could see how it might do that in some situations. It might be a deterrent. Yeah, yeah it could be a deterrent now because you got to remember Georgia is an open carry state also. Right. But you don't need a permit to open carry in Georgia. If you're a resident of Georgia, you can open carry there. Right. Now, the one thing where I think is going to be a problem, you got to look at all one, look at the issues that we're facing today. Right. <laughs> Whereas when you have people of color and an officer is involved, majority of the time, it won't be treated fairly. You know, um, there was one video I was watching one time. Um, this guy, he was black and he had a CWP and somebody tried to rob somebody. He helped out the person that was getting robbed. The cop showed up, told him to drop the gun. Right. And he was like, well, I don't want to drop the gun because he didn't know about the safety and the gun. Whereas if you drop it, it won't cook off around. Yeah. So he was like, I don't want to drop the gun. I just want to put it back in the holster. So um, the cop kept yelling at him and another cop told him just keep um, his hands up, but don't keep his finger off the trigger. You know, so he's pretty much holding the firearm in his hand, you know, and then the cop shot him anyway. And then when they asked him, like, why'd you shoot him? He was like, I don't know. I don't know. And he was like, big black guy with a gun. That was the first thing he said. <laughs> that is a really <laughs> awkward situation for anyone to be in. But yeah, but you know, like, like when you look at the said myths, he doesn't know. He doesn't yeah, when, know. He just yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. When you look at the myths that's going on in our society, like that same myth has been perpetrated throughout the course of history. You know what I'm saying? So think about when America was established yep. to where we are now. That same myth is established. Now, look at how many times when we've been on the range and I got into a conversation, not an argument, not a disagreement. It was just a misunderstanding. But I love the sport. This other person loves the sport. But we're almost looking like an argument, but we're saying the same thing, but it wasn't the same exact wording. Right. And then I, when I realized what was taking place and I realized how many other people was feeling uneasy, I was like, okay, I'm bigger than most people out here. So, <laughs> you know, I had to purposely tone myself down because I didn't want to get put in that situation of perpetrating a myth. And now something happens and then it can get ugly for everybody. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, I mean, honestly, think about it. So, that's the first reason why I don't think the open carry aspect is a good idea. The second reason is I've seen a couple videos also, whereas I don't know if this is a game amongst young people in certain places where open carry is allowed, 
but some people will literally take the firearm out the holster and run. Yeah. You know, I've seen like, like three videos in total of this and people are posting it like, oh, this is funny. Right. And one guy was in a convenience store. The guy took the, you know, the firearm out the holster, backed up, and then he shot it one time and then ran out the store. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's something that it was one of the first things that come to my mind, just seeing people. I don't mind open carry it just for, personally. I'm, I like I think we talked about this a little bit on, on a previous episode, but in Georgia, I'm in Georgia a lot um, and I see a lot of guys open carry and I'm always interested to see what kind of gun they're carrying. I'm, you know, I'm a gun guy. So I'm like, what do you got? What do you carry? But um, it also makes me think about the, the holster. Um, I don't really like. I don't I don't you know, I don't know. I don't. I've got mixed feelings on it. It could be a good thing and bad thing, but retention holsters typically are not something that I would be interested in, but I think it may be a good option to investigate if you're going to carry open um, some sort of retention to prevent people from just walking up right behind you and snatching it right out of your holster. Right. Something like that kind of seems like it might be a good idea. Um, I don't know. Yeah. When I read this bill, I didn't see anything that says the level of retention the holster might, may, must have. All right. So the three classes of retention within a holster, it didn't mention not one for it to be open carry. But then again, we turn around and you look at it, you really can't direct somebody, okay, if you get a firearm, you must get this type of holster. Yeah. You can't tell yeah. what kind of holster they need to get. It's, yeah. But it was like no say in there about the recommendation of the type of holster or even if a holster is needed. So you can tuck your shirt in and put your shirt in and then the firearm is showing and that's still legal. Right. Well, that's just a terrible idea just to yeah. always carry a gun no matter what the law is. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. But um, after this commercial break, let's take this commercial, I mean, let's take that topic even further. And what about teachers in the school or administrators within the school carrying a firearm when the school is in session, right? So let's, let's talk about that. And I have a friend that I met last year um, at one event I was at, and she started this discussion on uh, Instagram and we started doing the back and forth and I stopped her right when it was starting to get started and stated, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast. You know, and she was willing to do that. So let's go ahead and hop into a commercial break and then um, we'll bring her on and have this discussion and take it even further and see how far we can dive into it. All right, so um, if everybody will, please stay in your seats. If you're in your vehicle, tighten up your seat belts, put on your sunglasses or your glasses, depending on the conditions of where it is or how it is where you are. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. 
For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Herman Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie, and it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. Thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And the conversation topics, I think it's about to get pretty deep. And I think it is pretty interesting from the perspective of how we are attacking it in the sense of speaking. Um, as you already know, we got the mad scientist and Coach B on the line, but we also have um, Cassie from Velocity Vixen on the phone. Hi guys. Yeah, so how's it going for you there, Cassie? It's doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So um I wanted to go ahead and give the little backstory of what actually ended up taking place. So I want to say it was about two or three nights ago. I was going through my Instagram feed and you had put a post up and I was being silly in the post and it was something like, um, do you believe or do you think teachers should, you know, be able to shoot or something like that? And, you know, I talked to Coach B about it offline. And, you know, we had our discussion. I said my points and she was like, I agree with you. And she went a little bit deeper into it. But on your post, I put something not shooting like that. Because obviously, anytime you look at because, Yes, because picture, of the cover photo they use. Yeah. And they always they put, crossed their thumb. Yeah. They, they always put the person who doesn't know what they're doing in the picture. Honestly, I think it's intentional. I think it's intentional. It happens too often for it to just be coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence anyways. So I I think it's intentional. I think it's meant to push a narrative because anyone who would know that that grip was incorrect um, would obviously immediately be thinking, okay, they're not trained well enough to carry firearm. Correct. So now the conversation, you had hit it off and you had asked me, do I think, 
Uh, matter of fact, let me just pull up the <laughs> conversation exactly. Um, paraphrasing <laughs> um, what it actually stated, you had asked me, um, do I believe teachers should be allowed to carry firearms on the premises? And I said, yes, I do. With um, right. specific, um, however I said it, um, let me, I'm trying to pull up the post so I can actually read it word for word how it went. Um, oh yeah, yeah, 91 comments on there. So man, I gotta find it now. Well, because they kept trying to veer off topic. So I had to, you know, okay. lead them back. <laughs> All right. So it went originally, um, I stated, not if they're holding the tool like they are in that picture. And then mm -hmm. um, you replied back, um, clearly the person in the photo needs some training, but do you then support school staff caring with qualified training? My reply was, yes, I do. But the training has to be required with purposeful meaning and must be continuous, right? And then you follow back with, then here we dig into what requirements need to be met. You say continuous, so then would this be a yearly qualification? And I said, well, I think there's a lot of divide here. Right. I think there's a lot of divide here because you have public schools. Okay. Which we own, technically. And you have private schools. So there can be different rules for private schools and public schools. But either way, I think that people tend to get on this idea or this bandwagon that teachers are responsible for protecting students. Would they? Well, yeah, probably. Would you? Yeah, probably. But that's not their responsibility. It is their constitutional right to defend themselves at school, at any employment, wherever the job is. This just happens to be speaking specifically about schools. So why does their constitutional right to self-defense end because they're a teacher at a public school? Okay, what's your thoughts on that there, Dave? I think because people are afraid. <laughs> That's why um, in a lot of cases, the, those rights end there. Um, we've had some recent law changes in South Carolina over the last few years um, that have loosened that a little bit. You can now carry, you can now have a firearm um, in your vehicle with you and on your person on school property, as long as you do not exit the vehicle. Um, this has nothing to do with right. empl employees, um, but that was uh, previously illegal. Um, that law has since changed um, with a valid uh, South Carolina permit. You can now carry a firearm on the premises um, inside your vehicle. Um, there are what, a couple years ago, there was a lot of publicized uh, school shootings. Um, people started, you know, looking at looking at that that topic a little more seriously and some some local schools i think uh i can't remember if it, it was actually i can't remember who started allowing this but i think the um administrators can now allow um employees to carry firearms on on school property um if they so choose i think it was i think it's now left up to the administrators the local administrators there um, my wife yeah, well, is where we are here they have to have a uh, certain qualified training and um, it is only certain staff there are people carrying and there are staff members in my kids' school that carry but there's yeah. only certain staff and they did not release who that staff was 
That way you would have to be suspicious of everyone because you wouldn't know which staff member had one and which did not. Yeah. Uh, This is Ohio. Okay. Um, That's not commonplace all over Ohio, but it is here at our school. What's your take on that, um, Coach B? I think um, just as she was saying that it it should be their right to carry if they chose. Um, And I agree with the to defend them, but most people would defend the children just because that's why you're in that profession. I mean, it's just like being uh, in the medical field. Most people are in the medical field because they're there to help people. Teachers are teachers because they want to, you know, those are their babies too. That's how a lot of teachers are. So Mm -hmm. I definitely agree that they should be able to carry if they choose to. And it should be anyone. It shouldn't be, okay, I'm going to pick who gets to choose. It should be whoever wants to to carry can carry. I, I agree with that. And mm-hmm. as I stated beforehand, I don't think the the requirements should be anything watered down or just something just so you can say, okay, you pass. And it's fictitious with a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe if an administrator in a school is required to um, carry a firearm. I believe that the minimum proficiency test far as firing that tool should be the requirements of what the police department in that state, in that city or county requires. I Um, think that's fair. Yeah, um, it is in a school. It is you are surrounded by students. I do think that there should be training mm-hmm. offered and available to those teachers or staff or whomever decides they want to carry. That is required for them to do so, because that is another setting that does put children at risk if something happens and they don't know how to utilize their firearm correctly and end up accidentally killing a student in the event of trying to kill, you know, a an attack. So. I think that's fair to require mm-hmm. certain training, a qualified training program. I think that it should be locally decided. Correct. I agree with that. And that was that was the reason why I said purposeful training and um, nothing watered down, as I stated beforehand. But mm-hmm. like I said, that requirement should be the what the police in that jurisdiction does as um, far as their training requirements for pass or fail. Right. But then when they go for their training, right, I believe they need to do this at least four times a year. You know, not one time a year, but four times a year. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Because- If they're gonna require it to be four times a year, then, I mean, that could get quite expensive. It it could be- This is a teacher salary we're talking about here. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't expect this to be out of pocket. And no, I think the state could probably work something out with local law enforcement doing some training or either there's a buddy of mine, Gary Slater, that does, uh, you know, like church security training. And um, he offers uh, training to um, teachers, you know, specifically for that. He has military background, room clearing kind of training. And I think that's great. I think you could find people to do the training for you at, at no or little expense there. Right. Um, I would agree with that. I'd be fine with some tax dollars going towards that. 
Yeah, I wanted. Um, are they actually talking about that in your area, like on a political front? No, uh, the the post I believe was Idaho. I want to say mm-hmm. somewhere in Idaho. I just came across the article because I do that. No, I guess <laughs> I scroll through articles, and um, actually, I think a friend of mine sent me that because of the grip, and he was sort of mocking the grip. Yeah, and I thought, okay. My first thought was, this is an intentional photo meant to push a, a narrative that scares people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's failure because anyone who's uneducated on firearms wouldn't even know that that photo was incorrect. Right. And anyone who was would then immediately think this person is not qualified to carry around my kids. And I have one in the comments. I don't remember which what their handle was, but they had said something about um, worrying, worrying about whether or not the teacher themselves or the staff member themselves became unhinged and became the attacker, which is just absurd to me. Honestly, that could happen in any environment. Yeah. Now, um, now, you don't get to choose people's rights based on whether or not you trust them. You trust these people with your kids all day. That's true. Now, I remember when I brought this conversation up with Coach B., and she had said the same thing. Like, what if the teacher, like she said, you already know people are going to say, what if the teacher becomes unhinged as you just stated. And I was like, okay, so how many teachers want to uppercut a student and they don't? <laughs> I mean, probably That's all of I them. Couldn't, I couldn't be a teacher. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, I couldn't be a teacher. Are <laughs> teachers yeah. are the most patient people. I volunteered for a few class parties and uh-uh. I walked out of there thinking I could not do this. I could not, I'd end up on the news. Yeah. So, um, and, and like I said, we, we had, um, I think we had a good exchange of, you know, um, the topic between coach B and myself as we was talking. Um, cause I believe that I tapped into the mother aspect and her children going to school. And now how would she react if that was her in that situation? So what's your take on that? Um, coach B. I would rather know that, there's more than just the one school officer at the school who has a firearm. I would rather know there's several people within the school who has been trained, who is carrying a firearm. So if something was to happen, you know, it would be handled quicker than what we have seen in the past. So um, I'm down for it. Now, I... I can't say this here in the um, the county that I live in, in South Carolina, they have um, the deputy sheriffs being liaisons at the schools. And of course they are carrying loaded firearms when they do it. But you know, the Richland County Sheriff's department is by far the highest level of a police force I've ever seen organized in the city. Like all the cities I've been to. (laughs) They do a good job. You know, they really do. And I was actually impressed with a lot of stuff. Even like when I went down to the sheriff's department and I was talking to um, a couple of the people that work around and I was like, y'all actually do that. And it was like, yeah, man, I think, I think they're top notch when it comes down to it. They have, they have the money though, that, that allows them to do that, the the training and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of agencies and departments just Mm -hmm. don't, just don't have the funding. 
Now, um, and that's why I was worried that teachers wouldn't because and that kind of training gets very, very expensive. Yeah, it, which anything you do, especially when there's a contract associated with it, it will get expensive because something like this, let's think about the liability. You know, and that's always going to be one of the first things that's always brought up. Hey, it's a good idea, but let's talk about the liability. Right now, is that liability enough to outweigh, you know, the other points of the conversation? I think so. I I would, uh, we do have school resource officers in our school. Um, the school right next to ours, in fact, half of our town goes to the other school. Okay. The line there is like right on the side of our town so we have our school and the other half of our town actually goes to the other school and there was a school shooting at that school a few years ago and that's when our school decided to step up the following year and announced that we would indeed have armed staff um, we do have school resource officers we did bring in more school resource officers and then we added uh, staff that are carrying but they did not disclose what staff would be carrying and they said they did so intentionally. Yeah, oh, that's good. So, and it that makes me feel a lot better with my kids being at school, knowing that they are literally surrounded by people with firearms. Yeah, um, one thing I actually say this about South Carolina, um, I believe if a school shooting was to take place in South Carolina, you will actually see the residents in that community show up at the school ready to defend, you know, with firearms and people just ready to engage to make sure the safety of everybody is there. I, I do believe that, I, like I said, I haven't read anything, seen anything. It's just the culture of the different counties that I go to. I pick up that same vibe every county I go to in South Carolina that something like that would take place where people will be like, oh, time to get engaged, you know. I think you definitely would see a lot, and especially rural areas. I live in a very rural area. So you would see a lot of fathers, especially, run into that school mm -hmm. to defend it as fast as they could. But I, I think that we have seen such a rise in school shootings since, what was it, 98? was it 98 1998 I think I can't remember um but we have seen rise in school shootings basically ever since they outlawed guns at school because people know that that is that is a place where they can go wreak havoc and total carnage and very likely be able to do so with no one there to defend it right easy targets that's yeah, exactly that's yeah, I mean, just yeah. fish in a barrel. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, I you don't see people running in to run a rampage at a gun show, right? So um, I do want to thank you for coming on to the M W Tactical Podcast and having this discussion, and uh, we're going to bring you back on and further this conversation to get more of your thoughts and insight about this topic. Yeah, because it sounds like you're very passionate about it. So I, I do want to continue it and um, dive into it a little bit more with you. But sure. yeah, like I said, um, but we'll stay in contact through social media and um, we'll arrange that and make it happen. All righty. I'll talk to you then. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Cassie. Enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed mm -hmm. talking to you guys. All right. Take care. Bye. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting topic. And even when you turn around and you dive into it a little bit deeper, I believe that when you're looking at it from the aspect of something like this, now would your personal firearm be a mention in that conversation? A specific firearm that they recommend or the school or the government going to provide this for the school or how, you know, like the the mathematical reasoning behind everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, but let's just happen to say this, okay? Further in that conversation about, you know, um, teachers and administration, administrators in the school system carrying firearms. Now... Let's say you are a deciding factor and you had to choose up to five firearms for the purpose of this. Or let's just say you're a firearms instructor and people came up to you and say, hey, what are your top selections of firearms that you recommend? All right. So let's cap it off at five and see what each member of the M-W tactical panel selects. And we didn't talk about this openly yet, so this is going to be new to everyone. All right, so let's start off with the math scientists. Okay. Um, uh, it's tough. This is tough for me because these are tools, right? And and they're specific tools that, that work better for certain situations. So it kind of depends on, um, you know, the way that I look at it and the way I look at a different situation, you know, each situation, what I would think I would personally like to have with me as a tool to handle that, that situation. But just from a, a pistol kind of concealed carry uh, viewpoint, I really like um, the Canic TP9 ver- um, guns that have recently um, come into the U S over the last five years or so. Okay. They present a, great value um for the features that are available um something that i think other companies are trying to catch up with (laughs) they provide they provide a lot of good options and and for the money they're really hard to beat they have one of the best out-of-box striker fired triggers that i've ever used um i shot one in competition um shot about fifty thousand rounds through it i know they're reliable i carry one now um daily it's inexpensive as far as handguns go. And that would be my kind of top recommendation just from my experience and and knowledge of, you know, that, that particular firearm. Mm -hmm. It's for number one. Let me go to number two. Go for it. All right. (laughs) Number two, I think uh, the Smith and Wesson M and P line is it's vast. There's so many options. Um, They're, they're great firearms also. They're, they're, you know, they're reasonably priced. Um, they have a ton of aftermarket support, um, holsters, you know, lights, accessories, lasers, if that's your thing. There's tons of that stuff out there and available for that, that line of firearm. Um, all sorts of different caliber, calibers, whatever you like, whatever you want to shoot, they have an option there for you. Um, the MNP stands for military and police. So, so they've been, they've been used, um, you know, law enforcement offices use them, have used them, still use them. They're, they're proven firearms and they're great um, for concealed carry and, and self-defense. 
Um, I have to throw in the Glock there as my number three choice. It may be the most popular pistol in the world. Um, I personally just don't like the grip angle. The ergonomics of the thing don't fit me. And I just don't, it's not comfortable to me, but it's, I can't deny that, you know, millions of people like this, like this firearm, police, military, use it all over the world. It's, it's proven reliability, um, maybe one of the best out there. I have to give it, you know, my, my third spot there. <clears throat> Number four, from um, a shooter's perspective, um, maybe not so much concealed carry wise we talked about this on a previous episode but the 1911 platform um they make some smaller ones like the commander length um smaller like four inch barrel kind of 1911 style guns that would be more suitable for concealed carry but the round capacity i don't think is is suitable anymore personally for concealed carry but if it comes to just shooting at the range it is has one of the best pistol triggers possible um you they're just so much fun to shoot um i would not i would not rather i mean I, that would be the gun to shoot if i wanted to go to the range and shoot a pistol i would pick that one up that it's just so much fun it's easy to shoot i just i like everything about it except for that round capacity <laughs> <laughs> um that was that's my number four uh my number five is actually my favorite over even over the 1911 is the 2011 platform. I don't know that I have ever recommended anyone buy a 2011 platform gun just because they're expensive. Um, uh, they are some of the best shooting guns in the world. They have double stack magazines of the capacity is a lot higher than 1911 guns. These are more of the uh, like performance um, sport shooting type of gun here. It's not something that most people would even be interested in carrying. They're, generally, they're heavy, um, but they're, they are made to run. They're, they're just so much fun to shoot. That's what we shoot in competitions. Um, you know, majority of the race guns um, at, of the high cap divisions for USPSA or 2011s. Uh, uh, that's my pistol recommendation just from my personal experience and, and, and what I like to shoot. Oh yeah. Now I can honestly say, I don't ever think I told anybody they should get a 2011. I, d I don't think I have either, but they're yeah. absolutely my favorite guns, but I don't know that I've ever recommended anyone <laughs> buy one. Yeah, <laughs> my whole thing is, is now I know like, when I would talk to people and if they happen to see it or I brought it up in conversation, I would tell them like, okay, this gun right here starts off at like two, $3,000 and goes up in price. You know? Yeah. And so, that's, that's typically a bit more than just your average enthusiast, right. I, I guess. I mean, you have to be really committed to, to the craft and, and the sport. Right. And it, it it's the only way it makes sense to spend that much on a firearm, I think, on a pistol like that. Correct. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about my MP when I get to my list. Okay. But um, let's go with Coach B. Let's hear what you say mm. are your top firearm selections. My top? Um, well, there's only mm, 
I think maybe four firearms um, that I've shot that you know personally I've used before, mm-hmm. and um, I would say number four would be the Taurus, which that's that was my very first firearm that I bought. Um, it was kind of recommended by family um, just because it wasn't inexpensive and um, G two G three. I think it's the G two G two. So I, because I didn't know any different, you know, it worked. Um, that's what I used to get my CWP. I thought I did pretty good, but. Um, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> you always talk about my paperweight, but um, so. Um, hey, it worked. That's good. Yeah. 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 She, she actually did pretty good with it too. So. And I had put, I don't know, maybe a thousand rounds through it before I did the CWP just going to the range and whatnot but i mean i liked it it was good um my number three would probably be the glock um and just like dave and michael have said it's just the angle of the grip um i just don't like that Um, it's hard to deny the popularity of that gun though i mean you have to give it credit for that (laughs) exactly (laughs) true um, and then my second would be the Smith and Wesson um, M&P um, 2.0. That's what I actually carry, um, and I yeah, like that, it. That was my number two, also. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Which one do you carry? Um, the M&P 2.0, the full, full size. size. Full size, nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I like that you can change out the grip, like the size of the grip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a, a good thing. Um, and then I would say my number one would be the Walther. Um, I've shot the P- PPQ, mm-hmm. um, I've shot Michaels and then I shot the Q5 in competition whenever I first started out. Um, but the trigger's just sweet on it. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. So, All right, so you got a, you got a nice list there. Yeah, anytime anyone asks me you know i've had a couple friends hit me up and it's always i would buy walther ppq that would be it so uh it's hard to go wrong with that one man that that ergonomics of that gun are just fantastic it just feels great tell me about it (laughs) 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 all right so from five to one what i actually ended up coming up with was the taurus and um the canic and the reason why I picked those two is because they're both affordable, very affordable. And I think Canik is slowly creeping up on everybody's radar. The Taurus, it is a popular one that I've seen at the range a lot. You know, so like even if I visit other people's classes and I'm sitting in there and I'm noticing like a lot of people will get the Taurus. And of course, you know, if you, your knowledge is not there with firearms, you don't know what you don't know, but that price quality was enough to get everybody to go for, you know, that Taurus. Now, I think Taurus makes a, you know, a fabulous firearm there. Nothing against it. You know, I'm just joking because I got big hands and, you know, it's just a smaller <laughs> firearm. That's the only reason I really joke it. Oh, well, that's, that's an important consideration. Some guns are just too small for people, certain people's hands. Correct. And then um, number four would be the Springfield. And um, 
obviously like when I first started taking notice of the Springfield, I noticed like how they was always pretty much selling the conversion kits. Like, you you know, you buy the 40 and you put a non barrel in it and the magazines and everything. I think that was the first firearm I knew that ever done that, you know, like, and they actually publicized Mm -hmm. it, you know, earlier, like in the early 2000s, you know, um, then number three will be Glock. Cause once again, you know, Glock is a tank. <laughs> you can put pretty much old ammo in it and it's still going to fire it. Like you go to the range and dig it out the, the dirt. It'll still fire it. You know, I've seen people do that it, <laughs> and it makes me cringe watching them do it, but it will fire it. Man. And, and probably just, not a good idea, but yeah. it, it will work. <laughs> just like we said beforehand, um, the angle of the Glock. You know, me shooting, I know for me, when I shot a Glock one time, I was like 50 rounds and my wrist started hurting. And first thing I started thinking was, did I fall? Did I lift something wrong? (laughs) I didn't even account for the angle of the firearm because it changes drastically from the Smith & Wesson um, M&P to the Glock. I mean, it's a serious angle difference there. And, um, but of course, you know, like I said, when you get into like the whole 3D printing and you start messing with CAD, you can actually modify it to fit you. You know what I'm saying? It'll make it more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, that's what I'm going to try to dive into um, a little bit of doing that. Because one thing about Glock is, like you said before, it's the world's most popular firearm. But there are parts galore for oh, yeah. the Glock line. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody so. is making parts for a Glock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like even Firearm parts. <laughs> yeah. So like even that new Walther, the PDP, the um, they have it set up whereas you could put Glock sights on the PDP, and you know we talk about that in the interview session also. And then um, bringing up number two is the um, Smith and Wesson M and P line. All right. So the first. Smith & Wesson I bought was the first generation of the M&P line. Mm-hmm. That's the one yeah. I have. Yeah, and I ended up buying like two or three of them because I, I ended up buying a 40 and then two nines. And then I sent the nines off to get work done to them. And this was back in the early 2000s when, you know, like the technology of shaving weight off the, um, you know, the slide and then polishing your sear and all that, making it a legit race gun. You know, so pretty much I paid $500 for a gun, but I ended up getting like $1,200 worth of work done to it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, but like I said, the two of the um, the four um, Smith & Wessons that I have are modified, you know? And for a long time, I swore by Glock until I got to my number one decision. <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, swore by Smith & Wesson, not Glock, <laughs> you know? But um, until I got to the number one, which was the Walther. And um, of course, when I first started doing competition shooting, I was in the military and I was shooting the, the M&P, the modified M&P that I have. And of course, you know, when I got promoted in the military, I couldn't do as much, you know, stuff that I was usually doing. So I had to, you know, adhere more to the military, you know, side of work. And then when, of course, you know, when I get out of the military, now I'm diving back into competition shooting and Walther was the one that extended that arm out to me to allow me to get back into competition shooting. 
and they was the ones that gifted me with the Q5 and the PPQ that I carry for my everyday carry. And just playing around with the firearm, I was like, yo, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and like I tell people, I did no modifications to those two firearms, but they, like you said, sweet. <laughs> it's yeah. just on point. It's on, you know, like you don't have to do anything. And I'm still torn between changing the sights on my PPQ, <laughs> you know, because like I've always tell people, yeah, change the sights, always change the sights. But I'm like, this is a work of art and why mess it up if there's nothing wrong with it? You know? Yep, yeah, um, that's that's something to say right there. I think if you buy a gun and, and it's set up from the factory, ready to go with a good trigger, good sights, it's almost a given for me anyway. <clears throat> if I were to look at a Glock, like a stock Glock or a stock M&P, mm-hmm. I would have to replace the trigger and the sights. I the Glock trigger is just god awful. Um, it functions, but man, it is terrible. That would be the first thing I would have to do to a Glock. But guns like the Walter um, come with a fantastic trigger. I wouldn't even consider it. There's no point in changing the, the trigger yeah. on that. It's already ready to go. Yeah, and like I said, um, this was probably the first firearm where I was seriously not thinking about doing any type of upgrades because I was like, I don't think you can get any better than what it is right now. Yeah, you might actually make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, um, and then like even thinking about it with my um, M&P, it might just be me, but even with the stock trigger in the M&P, it seems like the more you pull it, the better it gets. And some people was joking me about that saying like, oh, you know, you're just getting used to it and, you know, the familiarity of it. And I'm like, nah, I think whatever is going on, the more you pull it, I just think it gets better and better. Oh, that's a, that's a thing. Everything kind of the, you know, the moving components in there smooth out, kind of polish against each other and it smooths out. That um, Canik I said, I shot in a competition I'd let people, you know, handle it and, and, and shoot it and fire it and pull the trigger. And they're like, oh, man, what'd you do to the trigger? It's like, well, I shot 50,000 rounds through it. That's all. <laughs> it's smooth and light now. <laughs> and like I said, that's, those are the top five um, firearms that I selected from my choice of um, everything I shot that, that actually came to my radar when I talked about it. You know, um. I already knew um, Coach B was going to pick Walther. So, you know, I got to keep my Walther on the lock and key, <laughs> you know, because she'd be trying to jack me for it. <laughs> yeah. So um, let me ask you this one, um, Dave. The week before last, you got your Lemcat back. You got yep. the grip. Did. All right. And then you went to an all classifier match. Mm hmm. Now, we went over Tom a little bit last week, so I didn't get a chance to ask you this, but I'm bringing it forward this week. Did you make GM? No. (laughs) So I I actually, I tried, I tried hard. Before that, I actually went to another classifier match with my my older gun before the Limcat came back and um, shot six stages. Was it one, two, three, four? Yeah, shot six classifier stages there. 
I did not do very well. And it was not because of the gun. It was my mindset um, at that match while I was shooting. And I didn't realize it while I was there. I realized it because of my um, my journal that I keep, you know, after after each match that my wife calls the diary that you guys make fun of me for, but I don't care because it helped me realize what I did at that match. I was trying to go fast. Right. And um, I didn't, I did I couldn't put that into words exactly what happened until like three or four days after. And then I realized like I am fast. I don't need to try to go fast. Hold, I, hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Did, did you hear that? I heard that. Did, did you hear that? <laughs> Hold on, I, I need you to say that one more time there. Well, it's uh you know, it took a lot of reflecting and <laughs> how and, many and, times did I tell this guy he was fast and he was like, Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's one of the things that journals help me with is um right. confidence and um you know being able to look back on, on, on matches and, and I got to see some of my uh, video footage from, from that classifier match. And it finally looked like my movement and speed looked like what I wanted it to, like from videos of, of top level GMs that I've watched years ago when I was getting into the sport. Um, you know, I was like, man, those guys are fast. They're, that, I want to do that. I want to shoot like them. My videos are, are, to me, they're actually looking like I want them to look. So that was a, that was a confidence builder for me, even though I didn't even come close to meeting my goals at, the, at this match. Seeing that and, and being able to realize what I did, not wrong, it was just, it was my how I needed to change my mindset going into this next classifier match um, that I was going to shoot. So it was really cool to be able to realize those things and, and then also have another opportunity for the second classifier match that was coming up two weeks later. And I got the limb cat back um, before the second match. And I knew the mindset that I wanted to take to the second match. I knew that I, I just wanted to have more visual patience um, I was not going to try to go fast. I was just going to shoot my ability and have more visual patience with the red dot to make sure I was getting some, some good hits. I, I, my accuracy and consistency was very poor at the previous match because I was trying to go fast. I did go fast, but um, because of the extra effort that I was putting into it, it caused my accuracy to fall off. Right. So went and shot the second match, uh, second classifier match with the Limcat. And I did better. I did better almost on, you know, every aspect. I actually shot, it was, this, it was another thing that was kind of cool about shooting these back-to-back classifier matches. Two of the stages that I shot were the same from the previous match. So I got direct comparisons with, with shooting these stages with two different mental mindsets now how, how much off were the two stages so one of them was like uh the second time i shot it with this different mindset it was 50 percent better wow so well no yeah yeah, yeah no 100 percent better actually so i had a 4.03 hit factor when i shot it trying to go fast the, the second time I shot it, just having visual patience and trusting my own speed, I had an 8.1 hit factor. Wow. So I, um, 
I more than doubled the hit factor on that one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So um, I, st- I still didn't meet the goal. I shot, it was like an 89% um, classifier score on that one. I was trying to get into the 95s or above 95. But it's another confidence builder, being able to see, look at this data and, and you know, reflect on my journal and see see what i'm doing and know you know how i need to proceed in the future right Um, so i learned a lot from doing this and i did not meet my goal but it did not bother me one time and i and i'm kind of impressed with that just for myself because i historically would have been really down on myself and, and would have been frustrated and after that first match where i shot poorly Mm-hmm. Um, I was waiting, actually, I was waiting for those feelings to, to show up, um, just kind of a disappointment or, or regret or, or something like that, that I previously had before and they never showed up. So <laughs> it was a huge confidence builder for me, even though I didn't meet my goals and even though I didn't meet the goals the second time, I still learned a lot from it. Um, I think I was having, I had I shot with visual patience, but I think I was maybe a little bit too much um, focused on accuracy. So it's always a balance. Um, and, and that's the name of our game, just speed and speed versus accuracy. There's always a balance there. I was just a little bit too focused on the accuracy side. So, and at, at this level, trying to shoot 95% classifiers, it's, it, that balance is super thin. I mean, it's a super thin line. Right. Um, you gotta, you really have to have both of them. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. So now does that mean third time is the charm, which means area six, that might be well, the goal taker? It's, um, I was the, this year or the beginning of this year, the last couple of months I've been focusing, I knew these matches were coming up and I was really focusing on classifier oriented drills, gun manipulation, that kind of stuff. Um, I really focused hard on that. Um, I shot these two matches. I didn't meet my goals and I'm okay with it. I really am. I actually lost percentage of my classifications, but Mm. I don't care. I mean, I I learned so much from this. I'm very happy with with what took place. Now I'm gonna kind of push the classifier stuff to the side. Um, I'm I'm gonna start focusing more just on on match prep. match work for these uh for the major matches coming up yeah and that's the same thing um like i said the conversation um you and i had and then also the conversation between coach b and myself whereas i stated last year that i wasn't going to do any classifier matches this year Mm -hmm. so um i'm gonna stay true to that and pretty much just focus on the match because last year every classifier match i'd done I think I put that undue pressure on myself, you know, because well, it's easy to do. It's a very right. easy thing to do. Correct. And, um, and the learning aspect of that was when I go to a match, even like when I went to area six, I was so relaxed. I was so focused. Um, and I think the only reason that was, I took lessons from previous matches and there was one match um, we went to, I think it was North Carolina last year. And was it North Carolina or was it Myrtle Beach, Battle at the Beach? 
but whichever one it was, the learning lesson was small things can play so much big stuff in your mind and throws your game off. But when I went to area six, I really just picked up a, I don't care attitude, <laughs> you know? And when I went down there, like I said, I feel like area six was my best match um, out of all the matches I had last year. That was like the number one match. And that's the one that stands out in my mind the most also. I think that is when anyone would shoot their best when they're, when they're have put in the, the time and effort for training to, to get better, right. to, to get to that point, improve your skills, but then you go to the match and you just go to have fun. Correct. Your, right. your skills are already there. You're, you don't have to feel pressure. It is difficult to do at a major match to not be pressured. But I think if you can manage that, if you just go to have fun, shoot your game and uh, you're, you're going to have better results that way. Oh yeah. So I'm making a prediction that you will hit GM before October or by October. I'll say by October. Before nationals? Correct. I think okay. you're going to hit GM before that. What's I your see. take on that? I agree. You agree? I think you learned a lot, it sounds like, from the classifiers that you did. I, I noticed. Did. I really did. With Michael, like, um, whenever he goes into it and there's that mindset of okay this is what I've got to make I've got to get this percentage to move up or you know whatnot it puts that undue pressure on him and the performance is not there because his mindset isn't there whereas area six he went into that and it was just I'm here I'm shooting the match there was only one person that we knew or he knew on the um, squad with us so there wasn't that distraction so all he had to do was focus on shooting I was loading magazines you know handling everything all he had to do was focus on shooting and that was truly his best match so, so and like I said I, I naturally had fun but even at the end of the match you know like she had asked like how do you think you did and I was like I don't think I did too good not where I wanted to be but then when I actually looked at results, when it came out, I was like, yo, I did way better than I thought I did. <laughs> like I was a lot higher than what I thought I was going to be. At. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mental game. Once you know how to shoot the gun and how to play the, you know, how the sport works and what you need to do, it becomes more of a mental game. Yep. That's what it comes down right. to. So, um, but I'm just curious to see, what will 2021 bring overall you know it's, it's going to be interesting this is yeah. a year like no other <laughs> well, I, I thought last year was like no other but this well, year, <laughs> oh my goodness you got crater you got dodge <laughs> you know but um you know like so you got to depending on your primer situation you got to plan your matches accordingly and figure out how you're going to do it and like, wow i'm like okay we need normalcy to come back <laughs> Mm. I did to maybe help everyone have a little bit of hope. There is a local company that is uh, in the in process of manufacturing primers. So we're going to see some in, in the local area and, and uh, you know, 
throughout the country um, before the end of the year is the is the um, plan there. So yes. maybe that gives you a little bit of hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they're you know they're manufacturing in the millions, so they'll be able to spread the wealth at a normal cost. Yeah, well, that's reassuring and good to hear. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like, yes, you know, let us rejoice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the powder is becoming an issue now. I think yeah. the primer situation is going to be handled soon. But now the powder is hard to find. So yeah. we got to figure out the powder, guys. Let's figure that out. <laughs> yeah, well, well, somebody will be, they got something. They'll do something. Let's hope so anyway. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into this next commercial break and then come on back and um, do this interview with Walther Arms. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of talking about their new PDP line. Now, I haven't shot one yet. I haven't even touched one yet. But um. I foresee that taking place in the near future also, you know, so I can actually give my insight of it, um, this new firearm. But I had a lot of questions, you know, for Cody, the representative at um, Walther, and he answered them all. And I was like, like, hold on, I don't think you could do better than you did with the PPQ, but he says they did. So I got to get my hands on one to find out personally. What is this one? I haven't even heard of it. What? Okay, so look it up. The Walther Arms PDP. PDP. All right. PDP. All right. Um, but yeah, so if you will, I'm gonna go ahead and sip on some water before this interview we're about to dive into. And if you need some water, go ahead, drink some water, stay hydrated. You know, spring is around the corner, summer's coming up on us. Put them sunglasses on or your glasses, tighten up those seat belts, turn the volume up, and here are a few words from our sponsors. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. 
CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie, and it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people, we're back at it again, and thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And this week, we have someone who I call the little OG. All right, so this guy is the man behind Walters who actually put the material out as we know it, from the Q5 to the Q5 still frame to the PPQ to the CCP onto the new development of the PDP. So if you ever followed my Instagram feed, you would have saw a picture with this guy with me standing next to him. Now needless to say, in some of these pictures, I had to kneel down a little bit because I'm like the Eiffel Tower <laughs> over this guy. So without further ado, I want to welcome my friend, my buddy, Cody, to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Cody? Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you again. Hey. Yeah, it's been a while. So the last time we actually had a conversation um, publicly on a forum, that was like two years ago. Oh, it's been crazy. Yeah. The SHOT Show last year was something cool. Yeah, yeah, it was something. Some, yeah. Right, yeah, that was the last time I saw you. It was like SHOT Show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So like I said, 
outside of that, everything else is all about guns. So we're going to dive into a conversation a little bit about that. Sure, I like that. All right. Um, moving forward, y'all have, like, I believe, set the bar pretty high when it comes to a firearm that the average person can just go to the store and purchase. Now, of course, from the last time we actually done a show together, I stated to you on that show, I know nothing about Walther other than that's the firearm that James Bond had, right? And then, of course, since then, getting the Q5 and the PPQ. And I was blown away from that. Now, I've actually said this to people because, you know, when people come up to me, I have no issues with letting them shoot my firearm, you know, because I always tell mm -hmm. people, hey, go for a Walther. You can't go wrong with that Walther. And I said, like, there's no way they can do better than this. This will be something like they would just repackage over the course of time. But from everything I'm hearing and seeing, like, it's like y'all are improving like inching forward. Um, you want to care to talk about the development of the product line from the CCP all the way up to now the PDP? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, always trying to do a little, little stuff different and you got just plenty of different markets, you know, and, and really when we looked at, at, you know, our flagship product is the PBQ series or was the PBC, <laughs> PBQ series now. Um, last year, actually, uh, few months back before shot show and stuff like that we were kicking around the idea of like you know the pbq was creeping up on 10 years old at the time um which is a, a pretty long life cycle for a, for a product especially nowadays um to keep people's uh, people's attention <laughs> to, just right. to say um we knew we had like a, a great firearm but when the pbq was actually developed you know you think 10 years ago nobody was putting dots on top of slides you yeah. know maybe it was open guns. They were still running dots, you know, but they were frame mounted stuff like that. Um, so that development just had nothing to do with PBQ series. And, you know, over the 10 years of getting some law enforcement contracts and stuff like that, we were hearing some feedback and, and hearing a lot of stuff. So that's when we kind of decided to sit down at the drawing board and kind of create a new like duty gun that we thought would kind of hold up at the test of time for kind of make it a little bit future proof, right? and give people the right bang for your buck and we're just looking at some things that just annoyed the heck out of us and, and one was and we were we were falling to it too is we'd launch a gun and you got the iron side only version and then for like you know 100 bucks more you get the optics ready version and we're sitting here looking at it like you look at the ar-15s and where they started off they start off iron sights only and then flat tops came along and then folding <laughs> iron mm -hmm. sights and then uh, you know, I, I run a, a scope with a backup red dot. I don't even have iron sights on guns, you know, my ARs or anything anymore. And so we kind of see that that transition happening. And we're seeing that with law enforcement, stuff like that. So that's when we kind of, we knew we had a great gun in the BBQ series. So we really wanted to use that as like kind of a base. Um, but we knew it needed a lot of stuff, new texture, new uh, serrations, a better optic mounting system, um, a better trigger, which was hard to do, but I think we, I think we did it. Um, so we sat down and, and got all that cranked out. And during that process, too, is when we started the uh, the defense division. Uh, and we've always had a shooting team with Hansik and Gabby and, and all them. But we wanted something 
more tactical, more duty use, more hard use, concealed carry, that type of team too, to kind of come in and help us uh, get the right messaging, get the right product down um, for when we launch it, it was, it was a good package, you know, so you should be able to buy that gun, take it right out of the box and have a great trigger, have a great texture, have all those features and not have to pay, you know, $2,000 or anything like that for it. So, um, so yeah, we launched the, the PDP and that was our, our big one for this year. And it, it replaces the PPQ lineup, the, the Q5 and Q4 will hang around for a while longer, but the, the PDP is, is the flagship of Walther now. Um, and it really, I think, it kind of ties in together good with the, with the family too. When you look at just innovations and what they do in their specific markets and, and each of our guns where, you know, we're not a big company. You know, you look at this back there, it looks big. It's just a bunch of shells and stuff, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, here in the, in the U S and, uh, you know, in Germany compared to some of your, some of our competitors out there, we're, we're pretty small and, uh, it kind of gives us some maneuverability and, um, strategic you know when we're getting a new product and we, we really try to identify holes in the market and so you look at the ccp with its like gas piston driven system um it was allowing you to rack those slides really easy and reduce the recoil and stuff like that that really set the bar um for that that small gun market now you're seeing a lot of our competitors try to imitate that right. <laughs> you know and and hit on a lot of those sales features and stuff like that so uh, we continue to push the boundaries and and the same thing with the PDP when we launched it and we looked at it, we were like, you know, no more of this, like offering two different versions. Like you're getting iron sight, you know, you're getting a optics ready platform. That's it. Like right. you're not having to upcharge it. You're not getting paying 50 or hundred bucks more comes with a cover plate, comes with iron sights on it. You want to drop a dot on it. You get the free plate and all that stuff, but that's the standard. You don't have to try to bounce around and try to pick which one and see which one's in stock and then pay more for the optics ready platform we made that a standard feature and now you're already starting to see some competitors start to take that route too uh which is cool to see because i want a dot on every pistol uh, i love <laughs> i love red dots on pistols so um it's a it's a fun one to watch and see kind of evolve well i never well i've shot a few handguns with red dots on them mm -hmm. but i don't own any red dots for the handgun mm -hmm. and i did make a determination the end of last year going in going into this year that next year i'm going to possibly start shooting carry optics mm -hmm. and one of the things i said i was going to do was you know look for a red dot and put on the q5 yeah get out there and do it but speaking of the red dot form whenever i go out and about and i see an officer regardless of what city i'm in mm -hmm. I always look to see what firearm they're carrying with them. But I have yet to see a police officer with a Walther. You know, it was yep. always Glock, Smith & Wesson, or an HK. Yep. Right? But I never seen a police officer with the Walther. Um, now, can you speak on that from your position and yep. agencies that actually contact you and what they're actually looking for and stuff? Yeah, for sure. So we just got U.S. facilities in 2012. Mm -hmm. And really, it was just like two people here, sales and marketing. Um, we finally kind of got everything built up, ready to roll, probably 2015-ish, 2016-ish, and then got an actual LE department, you know, guys to actually run out and do that in the U.S., you know, just a few years ago. So we're still pretty new to all the, the U.S. market. 
um, in the law enforcement, but we wrapped up a few contracts uh, over the last few years, um, probably well over 20. Uh, we did uh, Brevard County was one of our biggest ones in Florida. And uh, I think it was close to like 1200 officers. Um, they're all running five inch PPQs and then SWAT teams running steel frames. Um, and we just kind of built upon that. And uh, that's when we were kind of starting to get into it and realizing like there was a big shift in what departments are looking for. They're looking to get a lot of performance at a pretty decent price. And they're willing to go to, you know, smaller brands like Walther and, and kind of jump off the train of some of these other ones. Um, so it's a, it's a good, it's a good position for us to be in, especially with the PEP. As soon as we launched the PEP, I mean, we were getting emails in from departments wanting to, to trade in for the new one. And we had already had that gun out, uh, you know, at a few other departments getting tested and evaluated before we ever launched it um, with a lot of great feedback. And uh, we'll, we'll be doing some cool announcements here pretty soon with a lot of that. Um, so it's cool to see kind of from the beginning, just, you know, the PEP and, and, and Walter kind of just start taking more steps in that direction. Um, especially too, because you look around the world and uh, you go to any European country or anything like that and they carry Walter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, right. you know, we've got, contracts in Taiwan and you know Germany and all over the place so um it's just never had the focus here in the United States and now that you know we have the facilities we have the team here uh we're able to kind of pursue that a lot a lot more aggressively right now um I do believe that law enforcement are going more for the red dots because I've seen that Mm -hmm. transition taking forth in the military also and just like anything that happens in the military, of course, law enforcement follows. So I foresee that coming as well. Now, the PPQ and the PDP, how do they compare to each other? And are the parts interchangeable or what's the big difference other than the duty performance? Yeah, so we, like I said, we use the PBQ as a base platform. So a lot of the parts are interchangeable. So magazine compatibility are the same. That's because, my God, we don't want to launch a new <laughs> new duty gun and you have to buy all new magazines, especially me. Like I got like, you know, 30 freaking PBQ magazines laying around the house. Like, yeah. So, uh, so mag compatibility uh, is there. Um, barrels also um, are compatible with one another. Mm-hmm. And then the actual, the trigger is cross compatible between the two. So already when you look at all the aftermarket options, uh, Apex and Overwatch Precision, and you know we had the dynamic performance trigger and stuff like that, they all dropped straight into the PDP and allowed us to work with our partners to just send out guns, verify that everything works and, and keep moving forward instead of taking a step back and then having to recreate all this stuff moving forward. Um, we, we knew the big proponent of if you're gonna launch a new pistol, you better have aftermarket support for it or you're gonna fail. You know, that's just the truth of the matter. And so, you know, in the very beginning, guys that were getting guns first were not influencers. They were our defense division. And then they were uh, holster manufacturers, um, trigger manufacturers, base pad manufacturers, um, all of that to, to go through testing and develop a, a good variety of aftermarket accessories available at launch time. Um, but yeah, so that's what we want to do. The Walter family, if you already own a PPQ or anything like that, you could jump right into the PDP. And it's going to have some very similar ergonomics. There are some things changed because we did some new um, degree changes on like that little kicker right where your pinky is to help you draw that red dot a little faster and pull that dot back into place. Um, But you're going to be able to pick that up and go kind of right into it pretty easily. Um, And then the two, the the trigger is just phenomenal, phenomenal. Like, uh, so it's a, it's a pretty big upgrade. 
Um, but really, I would say the biggest difference between the boot between the two is just the ease of optics. You know, you have a way better optic mounting system on the PDV. It sits so low in there. Um, with some of our factory plates, like you can uh, co-witness with the uh, factory sites. And then two, like with our uh, upgraded CNH precision plates that we worked with, uh, like the Acro, you don't have to change the sights out at all. It sits so low in there. Um, so that's a benefit too. And then two paired up with that, that grip texture and the new ergonomics, like you're getting, you're going to get some better times and be able to pick that dot up a lot faster. Oh, so first you're saying the trigger on the PDP is better than it is on yeah. the, you serious? Uh, serious. Yeah. So wow. when we went to it, it was like extremely hard to do that. But I mean, what we were hearing from law enforcement and what they wanted. So what we did was we shortened that take up um, by about 50%, a lot less take up on that trigger pull because uh, it is a two-stage trigger and then a more distinct wall. Um, so same overall pull weight, but everything just feels completely different because you have a lot lighter and shorter uh, take up and a little bit of a heavier wall and a super crisp break with like basically no over travel on it. Um, so, I mean, I've, I still run just a factory trigger in mine and uh, I, when you pick it up and feel it, it's hard to, it's really hard to explain, especially coming from a PBQ. You're like, man, that's, right. that's a great trigger, right? Yeah, that's how um, I'm looking so, at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, there is some things, like I said, uh, you know, you, you shoot in competition, you know, as you're like coming into a target and then, you know, prepping that trigger as you push out. Mm -hmm. Those lighter triggers, especially with the way the PBQ was, you could send one into a burn pretty easily on accident, right. you know, right. <laughs> pressing out. And you think of that from a duty perspective under high stress and things like that, you want to be able to hit that wall and know it very easily. So we made that wall a lot more distinct as you prep out and mm -hmm. get your finger on the trigger, you feel that wall and you know when that gun's about to break. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that would be an improvement from that standpoint like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, like I said, I, I never thought that y'all can get better with <laughs> that trigger as it is yeah. right now. Cause like, even when I introduce people to the um, PPQ, I compare it to the Q5 and I was like, this is competition. This is everyday carry. You tell mm -hmm. me the difference and yep. you can feel a variance. Like I could feel the stages better on the Q5 than I do on the um, PPQ. Yeah. But somebody who is not that sensitive to the feel, it yeah. feels the same to them. And, and two, and you know how trigger snobs are, right? We, right. we like grab the trigger and they just like inch. Yeah. I'm like, would you just pull the dang trigger, man? You know, I was like, you don't shoot like that. You know, so that's what we was like, as you just prep the trigger, you're prepping that thing as fast as you can, right? You want to get right. to that wall as quick as you possible. You don't want to sit there and just wait, 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 wait. Right. You want to get to the wall. And then when you see that dot on the target or your sights on the target, man, you're letting that trigger break. Um, so yeah. And we, we see it as a standpoint of like, you shouldn't have to be like, all right, duty and everyday carry and competition, all that stuff. Like y'all get different triggers, right? And I understand the purpose of a competition trigger and being a pound and a half and, and all of that. But when you look at sheer performance, like that should transition across everything. Correct. You shouldn't have to be like a, a law enforcement officer shouldn't have to deal with a 15 pound trigger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like true. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with a concealed carry version. Like you're under high stress. You want the like the best trigger possible. As long as it's drop safe, it's ready to go, it's you know, safe to use. Um, but you just want the nice predictable walls, know how to use it, and then accurate shots down range. And a great trigger is one of the main components to that, you know. Right. And you see people pick up a double action gun and run through the double action, 
especially first time shooters, it's very hard for them to be accurate on a long 12 pound trigger, right? Yeah. You pick up a PPQ trigger or single action trigger and they're just like shooting the center out. Right. <laughs> you know. Now the the plate, you were saying like um mm-hmm. the optic plate. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, I've never touched a PDP. The only thing I know is I when it was released, I was like, okay, they're putting out a new firearm. There can't be that much of a difference. And then mm-hmm. one of my friends, he actually touched it and he was like, yo, man, you need to get your hands on one of these. And I was like, well, I'm gonna touch one soon, just not right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So um I'm looking at that. And of course, when I'm looking at um, one of the videos, it showed, and it was actually the Walther video, whereas um, the officer was getting dressed in the locker room and then oh, he was yeah. on the mm-hmm. range. Um, now, before I go any further, is that you, the bad guy in the grocery store? No, it's not. Um, okay. I was the, the trainer out on the range. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I picked that up. I picked it up yeah. that it was you, the trainer on the range, but I was like, yo, I think that was Cody in that hoodie. <laughs> no, we had two actors for that one, and they were, they were like pretty hilarious guys, too, man. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, yeah, we had was, fun in that grocery store, man. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was one question I wanted to ask. I, like, I think that was Cody in there right there. <laughs> but um, now the plate difference, mm-hmm. is it? The sitting, is it much difference between the Q5 and the PDP, or is it like total night and day? They're total night and day, completely oh, different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and two, if you look at like how the, the PPQ was, it basically brought the uh, the dot to the top of the slide. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took super tall sights to be able to co-witness or do any of that backup iron sight stuff with. And when they sit that high up, what what happens is your presentation changes and you're Correct. if you're transitioning from iron sight to red dot that's when you see people go you know they present just like iron sights and they're like oh i can't find the dot because mm-hmm. the dot's up here right. right and so their presentation ends up being down here when we're able to sink that thing down super low like that and you present and it's the same as your iron sights you're picking that dot up a lot faster um, so that's what our kind of main purpose in doing that was. So it's an extremely thin plate, but we tried to make sure to get enough thread engagement on there. Um, that way it's still like duty capable. So we tested it out past like 70,000 rounds uh, on optics. And, you know, if you've shot red dots a lot, you realize most of them don't, don't last past that long. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we did put it through a, a lot of tests to get it down in there, but um, I, I feel like we got it, got it right there. Now, will there be an upgrade to the Q5 um, polymer and steel frame to get it that plate to sit lower or not? Probably not. So we're working with CNH Precision, and they're doing some custom plates for us that we're going to have on our, our web store. And that'll get the plate, uh, get the dot down in there a little lower, mm-hmm. um, but not near to where the PDP is. And it's basically just built around the design. It's just how it's designed. Um, and it's mainly because, like I said, that when the PBQ slide was designed and made, it was well before even anybody ever thought about mounting a dot to a slide. So it's really just not built for it. And that's why if you look at, you know, it's more triangular. Mm-hmm. When you cut into it, there's not enough width on it to get the, the screw hole patterns. in. <laughs> um, so you, that's why you end up, if you look at the optic mounting system on the Q5, it like kind of comes up and then the plate comes out and then back down across. Um, and that's why if on the PEP, if you look at the, like the beefy out serrations, it gets out and kind of squares it up. So that dot sits in there and is protected pretty nice. Yeah. Like I said, um, looking at it, I was, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing the differences, but 
I was like, there's a reason scientifically for these changes. And mm -hmm. I, of course, you know, not talking to anybody about it, I won't know what that scientific reason is until, because just like when you explained everything with me to the um, P, PPQ, it was like, hand goes here, finger goes here, but everything flowed and we changed yep. this because of this and, you know, the ergonomics and, and everything complemented each other. And it was like, yeah. no turn was left unsaid. Yep. So I'm pretty sure the PDP is the same way. It's like, okay, we turn in the page and upgrading everything. Yeah. And you know, I know you shoot a lot of competition too. Like that PDQ texture, man, it's, it's tough, right? <laughs> like you got, you got to, you got to chalk up a lot or stipple it, you know, <laughs> like, especially, you know, when we're all in the South and a hundred to, 100% humidity, you know, right. so uh, we made that texture pattern a lot better. And that, that helps a lot with recoil control. When you get a good bite on a gun, um, that that helps with that recoil control a lot. Yeah, so now that was going to be something else I was going to ask about, mm -hmm. which was the texture. How did mm -hmm. y'all come up with that pattern compared to what was on the PPQ? I just went and just knocked off the uh, Q5 match steel frame series, man. Oh, like, that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. I was like, if you look at it, we like did the same exact like uh, kind of like cross uh, texturing on the front strap, and then did the the tetrahedrons around the you know three sided. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's basically because when we launched the Q5, everyone was like, man, this is a freaking awesome grip texture, and uh, yeah, it just works. And uh, so we kind of went to the drawing boards, and it's a lot harder to like you know, mold that into a frame, but uh, right. we were able to make it work. And yeah, it's perfect because it's like non-abrasive. And so mm -hmm. when you daily carry it up against your skin and your shirts, it's not rubbing holes or rubbing, you know, skin raw or anything like that when you're daily carrying it. But the way it's designed, like whenever you get that positive grip on it, it just bites into you and just stays put. So um, it's a good combination because you know how it is like texture is so like everybody's got their preference on it. Right. And it's hard to find that perfect one to but there's a lot of options out there that are either they're so rough they like yes they help with like recoil control and stuff like that but after you shoot and especially people like us that train a lot right. you go out and shoot five six hundred rounds in a practice session like you're raw afterwards and <laughs> two if you're carrying appendix every day and it's like rubbing your gut right you know it's not doesn't feel good either so um there's some benefits to that so right so now and this is me from years of training and military and all that one thing i don't like when i buy a firearm are the sights mm -hmm. and it's always the three white dots yep and of course whenever i get somebody who's new to firearms when they come to me hey i need you to teach me this okay no problem first thing i always tell them change the sights regardless Absolutely. of what you get change the sights yeah. yep and i'm a firm believer in those three white dots on the back, you focus too much on the dots versus mm -hmm. just the front sight post. But black out the rear or, you know, take a marker or something, black it in, whatever you got to do. But just focus on that front sight post. What I read was the sights on the PDP are compatible with any Glock sights, the dovetail from the Glock. Yep. Now, yep. is is that because mainly Glock is the one that has the most aftermarket parts? Mm -hmm. And that, is that the sole reason? Yeah, absolutely. We kind of yeah. sucker pride up on that one a little bit, you know, but like sitting at it and <laughs> just like when we're talking about just annoying things when you buy mm -hmm. a gun, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know, like we're not a site company for one. Right. And we all have preferences in sites. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like we all, and like I said, I'm a red dot, so I'm always target focused. I don't care about my side. They need to be blacked out and just like out of the way. I want them there just in case, but mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I'm not really worried about them. Um, but yeah, everyone's it's like you want green fiber optics on the rear and red on the front, or green front yeah. fiber optic or tritium or like. <laughs> It's just a million options, you know, and that's why we just did the, the polymer windage and elevation adjustable sites, but it's Glock site cut. So there's just, you know, an unprecedented amount of options out there already on the market. Right. right. And uh, makes it a lot easier, especially too in the red dot game as you're trying to figure out what heights for what optic you have. Mm -hmm. And you look at it from our perspective, like we had suppressor height sites available, but the heights on a Delta Point Pro and RMR and 509T and Acro are all different. Right. So you're having to go through and figure out what height sites for your backup iron sites for each specific dot. And for us to go out and work with, you know, however many site companies there are and getting all those options is just near impossible, you know, and, and really like we look at it from a standpoint, like, you know, we wish optic companies would standardize a uh, optic footprint. So we don't yeah. have to have 50 different plates. The iron site manufacturers are probably like, yes, can please, somebody please standardize the, you know, the site cut. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little shout out to them too. Yeah. So makes it makes everybody's job a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know somebody actually said to me one time, they was like, Hey, can you call some of your friends and ask for this, this and that? Like, yo, man, I don't know people like that. I just know people, <laughs> but I can pass that message on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just like you know, any of us that are like in guns a lot, and like it's just like those annoying things. You're like, oh my god, that is, you know, like yeah. so we we tried to fix as many of those as possible, you know. Right now, um, are you still doing um competition shooting? A little bit. Um, last year was a big focus on me and on concealed carry and duty stuff. Um, because I knew we were preparing for this PP launch and mm -hmm. it was going to be that duty platform and stuff. So I worked a lot with our defense division guys on uh, like level three and level two draws and and uh, mostly like LE equipment and, and training and stuff. But I did a, a really big focus on you know appendix carry and and concealed carry. Um, so this year is going to get back into a good 50-50 mix between the two. Um, if I got a match this weekend to kind of get us, get me up and going. And, and now with the new USPSA rule change, I'm like, yeah, I get to, I get to carry appendix and carry optics. So I'm going right. to go out there and, uh, smoke some guys with, from appendix carry. So <laughs> yeah. are you going to shoot uh, area six? Uh, I'm not signed up for it. Um, yet I need to check that. I used to shoot that match every year and I have not shot it in the last two or three years now. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be in North Carolina this year, Salisbury, uh, North it Carolina. So it's in three uh, okay. weeks, uh, two oh, weeks, dang. three weeks in that ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm probably not going to shoot that. <laughs> <laughs> I got area four. I'll hit area four. We sponsor that one. So it's in like in our backyard, you know, but uh, when is, um, when is area four taking place? Sounds like fall time, like later on this year. So, um, yeah, I'll look that good one little match. Yeah. Look that up. I'll get you a slot in that, man. It's a fun one. Uh, okay. yeah, South Tulsa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's um, that's one thing um I've been saying for the longest, and I was telling Dave and Coach B that um, I was like, man, I've been planning to shoot with Cody for like two years now, and it's yeah, like the yeah, schedules just, never mesh up. <laughs> never. Know? Oh my gosh. Because yeah. I was like, yeah. one match we were supposed to shoot, and it was like back to back, but every time it was work related, why he couldn't show up. Yeah, one of those times he had to go to Germany and he was like, yo, man, my bad. No problem. <laughs> no, work it, is it, important. 
because like as soon as like I got into like because I was shooting on the pro team for a while and so I was shooting like all the major matches I was traveling every month and shooting all over the place and then mm -hmm. I took the marketing position and moved from sales into marketing and that's when everything kind of I was in charge of the, the shooting team now you know so mm -hmm. that kind of got in the way a little bit of like where I was at on the shooting team and stuff so yeah I don't get to shoot as many competitions now um I did buy a house though and has enough land to have my own range now so I, I get to shoot quite a bit at my own house so I, that's pretty fun but uh but yeah. and also you are a new father so I am yeah how is the dad life old. treating you <laughs> and it's actually really fun um you know like any of us we all like to be busy all the time it seems right. like you know and uh it's it's been a blast so far man uh, we, we lucked out and had like a really awesome baby that sleeps through the night like goes to bed at eight and wakes up at eight the next morning so yeah. um without having to mess with her so uh that's uh it's been fun different for sure you know trying to uh just balance all the the, the work schedule and it was it was just a crazy time because i knew like the pdp was like the biggest launch that we knew that we were going to have in our basically company history and mm -hmm. so i was working you know non-stop on that working with safari land all these different uh, you know people to get organized and then uh we got to she was born in september and it was like right at the time where we were doing our writers event for the pdp uh mm -hmm. we were filming that video for with tat gas out uh for the launch of the pdp and we had like shooter symposium which was like a big law enforcement event it was like all around the time, right after she was born. And then plus I had an elk hunt <laughs> booked. <laughs> and so, dude, I got after it. And uh, I was going to take like all that stuff off, you know, and uh, ended up like everybody that was going to cover for me, like COVID affected them in some way. And like I had to quarantine and then I had to just like leave and for right. like a month, you know, like my poor wife, man, I, I owe her big time for sure. <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll come back. Like she'll she'll she gonna pull that card one day you owe oh, me for sure yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm waiting for it you know <laughs> yeah so like with my daughter um i used to take my daughter to work and you gotta remember when my daughter was born i was an instructor teaching you know under amu in the army so of course when i would bring her to work sometimes they was like hey man you know kids crying and distraction i was like she's not gonna cry i guarantee it and sure enough, she'd be sitting there in her little cart, be looking at you, hand in her mouth, like she's paying attention to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was one time I took her with me to the dental. I had a dental appointment. And legitly, I put her right there on my lap. And they pulled me back in the chair. And as they was playing in my mouth, she just sitting there looking like, That's awesome. <laughs> there looking. didn't even cry, didn't make no noise or anything. And I was like, I, That's I, was, awesome. I was gracious to have some like a, a baby like that yeah for sure i am worried if we have any more like the second one is going to be like a t-rex or something you know like, <laughs> that makes it fun <laughs> yeah yeah right i'm like man this one's too good like, it's uh, gonna worry me <laughs> yeah, now one thing about my daughter is now she talks a lot and she's wants to know everything so <laughs> and, you know like i i enjoy it because i enjoy talking you know especially with her and just the learning aspect of it um and like a couple of weeks ago she told me she wanted to learn about um learn how to play chess and i was like okay she saw me um doing draw fire and then when she came in she was like um can you teach me about peace peace all right and i was like okay that's what i call the ppq well she calls the oh, PPQ, nice. peace peace <laughs> that's cool you know because i called it the peacemaker <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> so she called it peace peace 
And then uh, of course, you know, like when she's sitting on the bed, I'm standing like three feet away from her and I'm just pointing at the different areas of the firearm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and then of course, you know, she was like, oh, peace, peace is beautiful. And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> but now I got to worry about coach B trying to take the PPQ also. Yeah. And right. <laughs> because she keeps hinting at me like, yeah, you know, I, I do want to get a PPQ like that. And I was nice. like, yeah, it is nice. It's nice. <laughs> and then she'll be like, well, can, can I carry your PPQ? No. Can I shoot? <laughs> yeah, you can shoot it, but you ain't carrying it. <laughs> Cause you know, once you give it, you're not getting it back. Oh yeah. You're not getting it back. For sure. Not getting it back. Right? <laughs> that's, that's it right there. That is. That's it. awesome that's though. Show. Yeah. So now uh, one more question on the PDP. Yeah. Since the start of it and the development up until whereas the general public knows about it today Mm -hmm. all the training and the behind the scenes stuff how much negativity did you get from it and then how much of the negativity did y'all correct to balance it out yeah that's a it was weird because we like kind of started off with the right people in the very beginning Mm -hmm. like to get you know all the hashing out you know and right. I, i'm very brutal of, on my um comments about like features and stuff like that on guns like i i like to tell people it's pretty dumb you know to do do different things like that so right. we were able to get like a, a good feature set like i said we had a good idea so when we actually launched it out we were we we're pretty worried because we got the first shipment of them in and uh had our riders event probably you know two two weeks later or so we took you know all these guns out of here and we brought like I don't know, like 12 or 12 or so riders out. And we went to Blackwater North in Illinois and brought all of our defense division down. And we did, like, it wasn't no easy riders. And most riders, you know, they go out there and they plink at the range and then they go, you know, drink and eat and (laughs) have fun. We started, we did training classes with all of our defense division and they started at like 7 a.m. And we didn't stop till midnight or 1 a.m. for three days. Um, we did everything from like red dot performance, appendix carry, um, in the rain, nonstop shooting on the move. We did, uh, NVG training. We did, uh, low light weapon lights. We did, uh, we actually did medical training too, uh, had nothing to do with the PDP, but they were nonstop. And it was a little worrisome because like, regardless of what, you know, you think of it and everything, like there's always usually like a few negative comments on it and we came out of that and all the guys that we invited and girls that we invited were people that i physically I, i've shot with and i knew uh, tom marshall and you know justin dial from nra and like all these other ones and they're like phenomenal shooters you know and i wanted to make sure like the people that came out and participated in it were going to be a benefit to walter and help us know like you know what were the negative aspects to it and they all came out of it like blown away by the product and uh you know, so I, it was kind of hard to, to figure it out and see, make sure everybody was going to be good because right. um, we had no issues out on the range with the guns, no malfunctions. And we shot I don't know, tens of thousands of rounds out there um, and then got through all that, got to the launch date, you know, and, and that's normally, you know, you got all your Internet, you know, keyboard commandos out there that, right. you know, <laughs> just like to hate. And normally, man, we, we monitor all that stuff. And, and normally, you know, with any product, you're, you're going to see 50 or 60% like positive and the rest negative. And mm-hmm. when we launched the PDP, it was just unprecedented. We were like 90% positive. 
And the stuff that, you know, people didn't like were usually just like looks like, ah, I don't like the way it looks. I'm like, uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, you're not going to please everybody. And I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm like, whatever, that. man. And, and two, but we really advertise. And when we said to it, like, I was like, we, we have to advertise to people like you and I, like we're, we're out there training and we'd love to shoot. We'd like to get out there and just like push our boundaries. Nobody markets to us except yeah. for two and $3,000 pistols. Right. <laughs> it shouldn't be like that. Right. Right. Like yeah. I was like, here's a gun that has all the features that you need and it's plenty of performance, you know, and 650 bucks mm-hmm. and you're out of the box ready to go. And so that's why in the video, you know, we, we took that approach and it was like a little worrisome thing on that too. Cause we did the whole active shooter scenario, which I thought for sure we were going to catch some slack on, but uh, everyone loved it. Like that has got our most views of any video we've ever launched um, and nothing but positive view, uh, comments underneath it. So uh, that was great, great to see. Cause we really pushed the boundary of like showing training. Like it all comes back to your training, get it out there, train and practice. And, and that was our whole tagline. Our new tagline for this year was, you know, it's our duty to build the, the best performing gun, but it's your duty to be ready. Right. You know, you got to go out there and train. And you see that usually from the, from the haters, like they don't, they don't shoot, they don't train. They don't, you know, they're going yeah. to judge everything off the picture. And I, I don't care. Right. Uh, we'll right. want the people that are out there training and, and make that as easy as possible for them. So. Man, well, in comparison, the analogy I can give is the PPQ is like the 19, uh, when did they change the Mustang? Um, what was that, 91 or 90? I think so, so, something like that. Yeah, so let's just happen to say the PPQ is the 89 Mustang, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the PDP is the 1990 Mustang. Whole yeah. different body shape, you know, to yep. me it looks more sleeker. And that's how I look at it. So for somebody to say that, okay, that's just somebody who's stuck with the old, you know, yeah, you yeah. know where I came from. This is what we used to do. Well, guess what? You're yeah. here now, so we got to move forward. <laughs> and you know, and yeah. like I, I love the PPQ. Absolutely love it. I have literally hundreds of thousands of rounds because that's all I've shot, you know, since I got into competitive shooting like nine years ago. You know, I shot the PDQ. So um, all my guns are just, you know, I, I get put through the ringer. I loved it. But I knew that there were things that were, or held back a little bit on the PPQ. It needed to be changed. You know, textures and triggers could be improved, always be improved, you know, and the optics and the slide serrations and all that stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it I think it turned out pretty good. And it was nice to uh, just see the aftermarket support for it too. Um, right. Everybody had stuff available just about at launch and, you know, all the other ones, the comps and stuff like that with Parker Mountain, they're coming pretty soon, you know, like everybody's working on it. And then as soon as we launched, it was just like a flood of people requesting stuff, you know, oh, yeah. uh, to, to build more stuff for it. Um, so it's exciting to see. Yeah. So like I said, that's nice. my everyday carry. Nice, <laughs> right? man. So it's like American express, never leave home without it. Yeah, exactly. Right? You exactly. Know what I'm so, um, like we said, we already, we got the, um, the spare magazine and then we always got the magazine in there, but I haven't done anything to, um, the firearm, even though I said, I don't like the sights. Mm-hmm. What I did was I put a marker to the rear sights just to black them uh-huh. out. But then that was bothering me because before I walk out of the house, especially on a day like when I do competition, mm-hmm. my EDC, I, I do like about 15 to 20 draws yeah, you know, yeah. just to get used to that appendix area. But I was like, okay, I need to change out these, um, these rear sights. And I, I never did. And I was like, you know, 
why mess with perfection? You know, what I'm <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like the, the tool is is there for me, but um, yeah, I will say like that firearm right there. There has been over 500 people that shot this firearm. That's awesome. That's and I can awesome. honestly <laughs> say over 500 people shot this, and um, the Q5. I'll probably tack on a, another 300 to that. One, yeah. Yeah. You know? And because, you know, my, my buddy, he was like, man, you just let people, man, you know, I mean, why not? Oh, no. you, I ain't going to hurt it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? You ain't going to hurt it. And I was like, well, I got the connections. I can make a phone call and say, like, hey, this is what I was doing. Can you help me yeah. out? Yeah. You know, and I'm not worried oh, yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So, um, and he was like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, but I always tell people, get it. Get the, get the Walther. Get the Walther. Now I'm going to have to say, get the pdp but yeah. i gotta shoot it first before i could actually aim oh get for sure man. yeah definitely <laughs> I, I don't recommend anything to shoot it but uh yeah too like it, it's pretty nice too because we opened up that 30-day money-back guarantee Great. and it's on the pdp too so if you know if anybody buys it and doesn't like it like you could just send it back to us and we fully refund you your money which you know no one else does usually you don't like a gun you're stuck with it <laughs> you know so break break that down before we get off so um yeah people who don't who are not familiar with walther um, mm-hmm. they have a more better understanding of it. Yeah. So you go into a gun store, you buy a PBQ, PPS, CCP, PDP, whatever you want. Um, you buy it, you get to take it home 30 days, you shoot it. So you've paid the money to the dealer or you're all settled there, shoot it. You don't like it. Or, you know, you get a PPS, decide you want a PDP, something like that. Um, we've had some very funny excuses roll through like wife's got mad or, We've had some cool uh, other cool stories, too, like during COVID, like people getting, you know, their jobs laid off and stuff right after they bought a gun because of the whole craziness going on in the world. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they lose their job. And so they're able to return the money, you know, return the gun, get the money back. Um, So we've had some cool stuff. So if you don't like it within 30 days, you just get on our website and uh, click on connect. And then there's a 30 day money back uh, little tab there. You just click on it. and There's a form you fill out. You just type in um, your name and information, and then you upload a copy of your receipt and submit it. And then what we'll do is we send you a FedEx label and you put the gun in a box, put the label on and drop it off at the FedEx, uh, you know, shop that's closest to you. It comes back to us. We check it out, make sure that, you know, you didn't like drag it behind an 18 wheeler or something. (laughs) And uh, as long as it's all good to go there, we we send out a check and for the cost of the gun and the tax. So, um, so you get a full refund on it. Yep. All the way up to MSRP. I will put that in there now because some of the PVPs on gun broker are going for like two, $300 above MSRP. (laughs) So, um, so we, we cover up to MSRP, which, you know, when I, when we made that program, there was, nothing being sold over msrp so it just made sense but now i have to say that so. yeah so you know blame COVID. <laughs> blame yeah, right. blame COVID. <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah. that's a, it's just some that was another annoying thing when you bought a gun and didn't like it what do you do you go to the gun store try to sell it back and they give you you know maybe half of what you paid for it right and most no sh- new shooters don't know how to sell a gun on gun broker mm-hmm. or anything like that so um you're you're kind of stuck with it unless you want to be out a lot of money. So now we kind of give people the opportunity to feel a little bit more, a little safer in their purchase, you know, that, you know, if I don't like it, I can always get my money back. So. Yeah. So one-stop shop, you know what I'm saying? Customer service is awesome. Um, I even tried it um, when I actually got the, one of the Magwells for um, the Q5. 
mm-hmm. and they was actually walking me through what I had to do and we was figuring it out together nice. and I actually figured out okay I just got to cut this area out of that little cushion oh yeah yep yep and, and then they was like when they called me back they was like yeah do that and I was like you already done it and they was like yeah you good let us know if you have any problems I was like all right nice. no problem <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we have a lifetime warranty, and I, you know, that's and that's the thing is, it's like when you get a good gun, and then you know, if you don't like it, you can return it, and then two, if you do keep it, it's got a lifetime warranty on it, too. Yeah. So, you know, we try to get the full 360 effect of, you know, it's we don't we don't want to just sell you a gun and be gone, right? We want you to be a, a customer and be part of the Walther family, and you know, it's a very devout <laughs> fan base you know uh, yeah. with anybody that posts a negative review man it's it's brutal in the comments after that with the uh, walter lovers so it's pretty funny to sit back and watch but, uh, <laughs> yeah i saw some of that too <laughs> dude it's hilarious but i enjoy it i'm like ha, man it's usually on me you know usually i'm getting the crappy comments <laughs> so now if the good people want to actually contact you and um talk about anything walter or just want to go ahead and see what they can do as far as getting one. How can they actually contact you or Walter on social media and do that transfer information? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just at Walter Arms, basically any platform. Um, and you can message us. Uh, Vince, um, I think you probably met him. He, he runs all the social media here. Um, he usually answers that. I'll answer some of them here and there. Um, I do a Instagram live every Wednesday on, on Walter Arms. If you got questions, you can, you can throw them up there. I'll try to answer them as best as possible. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, to buy a gun, just local gun stores. I mean, support support your local gun stores, you know. Uh, go put your name down on, on whatever you want. Right now, you're probably got to put your name in and, and wait a little bit because the market is just bonkers right now. Um, but definitely, we're, we're shipping guns out like crazy. So, um, but yeah, we try to keep, like I said, a constant communication, uh, or, you know, pretty restricted on social media. So if you're looking to get a little bit more content, uh, sign up for our newsletter. Um, we do some pretty exclusive stuff on there and then, um, we kind of push out some cool new products there too. So there you have it. So, um, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, Cody. And um, yeah, man, anytime. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do this again and maybe get Vince in the background. <laughs> Oh man, that dude is a he's a nut, man. Yeah, It'll be a crazy time you get him on here. <laughs> All right. So um once again, this is my buddy Cody from Walther. And now you know who I talk to when I tell you I talk to Walther. So it's either yeah. him or Vince, as we already stated beforehand. So, but if everybody will, um head on over to waltherarms.com, check out what all they have, and then if you want to get that PDP. Go ahead and do the sign up for it at your local gun store. But for everybody else, go ahead, please stay in your seats. Put your sunglasses on or your glasses, depending on where you are and how you're listening to us. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or is sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. 
If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting in the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.